So if you're new with us, um, we are in the last week of this series called Margin, um, where we have been looking at several things of using this kind of idea that we stated in the very first week, and it was this. Margin is the space between our load and our limits, uh, between rest and chaos, maybe, if you will. The, the place that, it, that we would like to exist, that we go, there's just not enough space in our lives because we are terrible, by and large, at creating and keeping a hold of any margin in our lives, any space in our lives, including space and margin for our relationship to the Lord. As we said last week, our relationships to each other. Um, and then today... We're going to talk about margin, no drum roll, because we don't have anybody on drums today, right? We're going to talk about margin regarding our financial resources. Okay. Some of you, this is your first Sunday, and you're like, oh, great, boy, I hit it, all right? Here it comes. Um, here is the, we haven't been back in church in a while, and this is what we get. We get the money talk. We get the guilt trip. We get the uh, give until it hurts download from the pastor. Awesome, honey. I'm so glad that you told us today was the first day that we should come, all right? Please, if that is your line of thinking, I, I hope that in the first few minutes today to, to help maybe Put you at ease um, because my desire comes out of, of love for you, out of love for our community, and out of love for your family. I, I want to challenge you to give me a little margin with this discussion, all right? So see how that works. Um, we've been working four weeks to get here. But, but I believe if you allow Scripture to examine this and maybe remind you of some things, that this can actually be a joyful conversation. Now, that this could be a, a joyful realization as you walk out of this place. That's my hope for you. My hope is not to create tension, is not to create friction, but is to create freedom and joy. Um, in his book, Margin, by Richard Swinson, that I've referred to quite a bit, um, he talks about three main reasons uh, and three benefits of having financial, particularly financial margin in our lives. And, and here's what they are. The first one is this. When we lower our expenses below our income, then we live with far less stress and pressure. Duh, right? We need a guy to write a book to tell us that. We, we know that. But we say we know that, but always in the top five reasons that if you're, if you're married, please listen to this. The top always, year after year after year, in the top five reasons for divorce in the United States, always in the top five are finances. Always in the top five. It creates stress. It creates tension. And so lowering that, so what, what happens when we create margin with our resources, with our finances? When we create financial margins, we are equipped to help others. This is a different view, all right? This is beginning already for us to see that we're going to try to take a different view of this whole discussion today. But when we create financial margin, we are equipped to help others, which increases our joy and creates opportunities to love others, which puts us closer and closer in our relationship to the Lord. When we help others, we step into joy and place our treasures in heaven instead of on earth. There is joy and I could ask several of you to stand up here this morning. There is joy in serving the Lord. There is joy in serving others. There is joy in being able to help someone financially. You've probably experienced that in some way, big or small. 
Now, this view of generosity is not mine. This view of generosity is not Rich Forks. Um, This view of generosity that we're going to examine today is actually woven into the earliest parts of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this about the early church. It says, and they, they had the power of they, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They understood. They had a radical view of wealth and of possessions and of finances, whatever you want to call it. But one thing it wasn't, it wasn't personal. It's amazing. I kind of planned for this. It's amazing how much air can be sucked out of a room when you spend two minutes introducing finances, right? It's like, oh, here we go. But eight years ago, I remember having a sermon series called Move. And we, we had you submit ways that you want to move spiritually. And I kept a folder of these on my computer um, because they were so transparent. And one of them um, was related to finance. So listen to this. Someone said this, I commit to move away from debt and move for, toward financial freedom by the power of Jesus Christ. And so my hope is today that that sentence there is is more than just moving away from, but it is moving toward something. So again, let me put the air back in the room this morning. I we are not going to have a fundamental discussion about tithing. Whew, all right, we are not going to. I'm not going to pound away at you about the church budget. Whew, right, I'm not going to coerce you um, to make a financial commitment before you leave the room. I'm not even going to hammer away at being in debt. And you're like, I don't know what we're going to talk about then because you just covered all the bases that I could possibly think about when it comes to financial margin. Because what I want us to see is that those are all symptoms of a bigger discussion, a deeper-rooted issue. So in order to discuss, in order for us to desire margin in our finances, here's what I want us to see. Practically and spiritually, we must grasp the joy, the freedom, and the grace that happens through financial margin. Now, we're going to come back to that idea. I have no idea, I have no doubt that everybody in this room has a, a, a somewhat of a different view of generosity, of finances, of budget, of what's in your wallet, what's not in your bank account, what you'd like to have in your bank account. All these different things are floating around in the room, but I want us to kind of rally around taking this discussion and moving it from what, we, what really are symptoms and look at the heart. Now, when I was growing up in church, uh, in just a minute, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Um, when I was growing up in church, we used to sing this song. It was a hymn. Some of you may have sung it. Uh, many of you probably didn't, but we sang it in my church growing up. And the, the words were this. Uh, the song was called Send the Light. Anybody? Anybody know that one? All right. Anybody want to sing? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, There's a call comes ringing or the restless wave. Sounds much better sung. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light, send the light. Then the second verse. Now remember, I'm I'm like some of you in this room. There's some some, uh, middle school or some uh, elementary students in the room this morning. And I remember this as a kid. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Huh? 
who, who are the Macedonians? And what are the Macedonians? And then the, the song would just keep going. Like, I'd forget about it. Send the light, send the light. And in a golden offering at the cross we lay, send the light, send the light. And as a teenager, I would sit there going, I don't know what that means. Uh, today I want you to see uh, what that means and why it is important to us. Now, Paul, in 2 Corinthians, we've looked at 1 Corinthians, but Paul is still addressing some of the main issues in the church of Corinth. He's concerning their attitudes, in particular in these two chapters, about giving and about being generous to others. Now, he does so by pointing out a group of churches that were in a region called Macedonia. Now, Macedonia was a region that at one point, as a province of Rome, was a very wealthy uh, trade route. They even had a, a road that had a title, um, and it would really be considered an interstate in their day. It was called the Via Ignatia. It was 535 miles long. That's a long road, okay? Um, especially when you don't have construction equipment like we have or orange cones for you to ignore, okay? Um, so, I mean, when you think about building a road of that size, it's a massive undertaking, and they needed it to control the flow of traffic because it was a, a trade route. A lot of money came in and out of this Macedonian region. But in sharing that with you, something took place. There were military battles and conquests that took place, and Macedonia was no longer a source of financial strength. It was now an area of financial ruin. Fast forward, Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. Now the church of Corinth is now what Macedonia used to be. The church of Corinth, they had everything in their city. They had art, they had theater, they had financial institutions. They probably, if they would have needed it, they would have had a movie theater with stadium seating and a super target, okay? I mean, they had it all in, in their region. Professional sport teams, whatever the context would have been, they would have had it all. But the church of Corinth uh, was young, it was immature, it was being impacted by the issues around them. So Paul wants to use a lesson from this region, the Macedonians, to teach the church of Corinth and also for us as a reminder today about some incredible thoughts about finances and stewardship. So here's what he says to the church of Corinth, verse 1, chapter 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Some of these just don't even make sense to us as we're reading through them. According to their means, as I can testify, a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Now, before you check out and go, oh, man, this is about money, this is about resources, could I, could I just ask you to, to, to zoom in on verse 1 and 5 with me? Verse 1 says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So the grace of God is what he wants them to hear about. Verse 5, but they gave themselves first 
to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul wanted this congregation to understand and comprehend something that I want to make sure to pass on to you today as well in this room. Paul wanted this young congregation to comprehend and know that before they had the discussion about their finances, before they had the discussion about their resources, what Paul wanted them to see, according to verse 1 and 5, is this is a group of people who had experienced the grace of God first. The grace of God deposits a spirit of compassionate generosity into every follower of Jesus Christ. So before we get to the extent of generosity of this church, Paul reminds us this is how it's possible. It's not possible because Macedonia had a big bank account. It's not because they woke up one morning and said, we just want to help out. It was hinged entirely to their relationship to God by the grace of God. What is grace? Grace. They had experienced and understood the kindness and mercy of God found through the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. So before they had the heart to give anything away, to give what they no longer even had, before the discussion dives into those type of moments, they surrendered their hearts to the Lord. Margin in our finances is not created, please hear me, it is not created out of guilt. Maybe you've been there before. It is not created out of guilt, but out of grace. If you hear several things that maybe click for you today, I hope that's one, if you're new with us, uh, that you'll realize you're kind of in a group of some crazy people. You'll see that in just a couple minutes about some things we've been able to do and God's been able to do through generosity. But, but I want you to hear that. Please let that sink in. That margin in our finances is not created out of a sense of guilt, but it is out of grace. And where does that come from? It comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Please hear that. So I want to just ask, as we have all four weeks of this series, the most important relationship, the most important thing that you create space for in your life is this. Do you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Because before you start wrestling with your finances or your giving or your own budget and your family or whatever that looks like, we got to come back there. Because verse 1 and 5 says, by the grace of God, then they, before they gave to us, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us. Paul says the church of Macedonia gave themselves to the work and the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So as I was thinking through this, I've developed a really, uh, a great way to combat um, anybody, um, maybe this might have been you, um, and you might be sending me an email later about money and finances. Uh, I'm just going to begin with this question. Can we talk about your relationship with Jesus first? I think it's an honest way to look at it. Verse 1 and 5. Let's talk about that, then let's talk about those things. Because that's where he starts. Let's look at your, our relationship to the Lord. Do you have relationship with the Lord to grow in your faith? It's out of that relationship that it informs our view of our resources. Now, verse two through four are just beautiful verses 
For in a severe test of affliction, remember this is the Macedonian call. So if you're ever in church and we sing that song, you'll go, I know what that means, right? Um, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves, here it is again, just a reminder, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Let's just translate that. They had gone through severe trials, destitution, rock bottom. We got nothing left. They were facing poverty. They had given according to their means, which wasn't much. Not a mandated amount, not a percentage, not a, you got to give this. And there wasn't a campaign. There wasn't, oh, well, how much does Paul need in his ministry? They were begging for the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They did not have a lot of financial margin, but the grace of God kept driving their direction. Now, if I could this morning, I want to pause here, and I just want to be able to say something to to you today. Again, if you're new with us, this is all going to sound a little crazy. Um, I just want to begin by saying thank you Um, from just the the depths of who I am as a pastor, but also a church member. um, Thank you for your consistent, faithful giving over the years, not just last year, which was above, above our budget needs, which was incredible for, I think, the third or fourth year in a row, um, just by, by God's grace. And I just, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I remember back in 2020, we all kind of remember something happened in 2020 in our world, um, and it meant all of a sudden we're not meeting in person for a while, and what does that look like, and how does that change? And so a lot of pastors were going, man, what does this mean as far as our, our budgets, and you know, will people give? And um, as one pastor said, he said, man, my church gave like twice as much as normal. I don't think they want to hear me preach. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. Um, you can take it that way. But anyway, um, but what happened that year is right at the beginning of that, there was this program offered by, I've shared this with you a while back, but, but just, just if you remember it, just pause for a second. Everybody else, just stay with me. Um, there was a program offered through the, the federal government that said, hey, um, if you can't pay your payroll, things like that, you can apply for a loan slash grant. We'll forgive it after a while. You show us proof of it. So we applied. Um, whether you agree or disagree, we applied. Trust me, there's a great end to this, especially if you disagree. Um, so we applied. We got this grant. We stuck it in the bank, and um, we, we, you, you guys gave above budget. So with integrity... Um, we could not use that the way that it was designed. So in 2021, we mailed the check back. Now, let me just, let me just help you. you. You did not react the way you should have reacted there. Um, this was not a little check. This was a $130,000 check. Okay, I heard it back there. Like, oh, okay. Suddenly you got my attention, right? So when you mail a check like that to the bank with a letter that says, hey, we don't need this because God's provided and we with integrity, they call you and they go, hey, do you, are you sure about that? Like, are you $130,000 sure? Like, I'm positive. 
because our stewardship committee and our leadership said, hey, we, we, one, we can't use it because we, we can't allocate it there because God has blessed us through the faithfulness of his people, through the generosity of his people, so we can't keep it with integrity. We can't use it for the right thing. And guess what? God has just blessed us beyond with his favor. And so, yeah, when the church unites to gracefully give, the result is joy and the ability to do greater things. Not just keep going, but to do greater things, to think outside the box. And this is true for us, and it was true for the Macedonian church in Acts. They are giving, and the church of Acts, the Macedonians are giving towards Paul, towards Corinth, so they could make the message of Jesus continue to spread. They know they were in destitution, but they said, listen, things are moving in Corinth. Things are moving. Paul's taking the message. Let's give to Paul. Let's give to this offering. I love the wording of verses 2 through 4. It says, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. If you are a financial planner, that is terrible advice, right? Grace plus poverty equals generosity. That is not in an economic book, macro or micro, all right? It's not there in your studies. But the people in Macedonia, in the churches there, in financial ruin, were generous. Listen to their attitudes. They begged for the opportunity to take part in the offering. They pleaded with Paul. I love that the Bible... often repeatedly teaches the importance of what happens when the community of believers acts together. They knew they were a part of something bigger than them, the Macedonians. We're we're a part of something bigger than this region that's failing, that's struggling. We're a part of something bigger. This word in here of responding, this word of sharing in this passage of scripture is the derivative of a word called koinonia, which is uh, for biblical community, fellowship. They believed in the joy of giving. So please hear me. If you hear this going, okay, this is to, to up the offering. Do you have a joyful and generous spirit? And I mean in general. Do you have a joyful and generous spirit that that you would see someone else in need, that you see a family member in need, that you would see a coworker in need, that maybe it's financial, maybe it's for a resource, maybe it's for help and assistance with their car or or fixing a car or repair or whatever that God leads you to do. This is not a lean in and go, hey, give everything to the church. This is where does God call me to be joyful and generous in this Macedonian call? Paul says it grows out of their relationship with God. Let's don't leave that. It grows out of their relationship with God. Paul says to Corinth, you're a growing church. You're a young church. The Macedonians gave. and They can't seem to stop themselves from doing so. Why? Because of the grace of God. They weren't coerced. They weren't forced. goes on to say, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that you love, your love is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, see, they keep coming, he keeps coming back to who Jesus is, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Paul says, let's put this to the test. It's not you. The example is not even greater than Macedonia. The greatest example is that of Christ himself. 
He gave up royalty in heaven to be born into poverty, into the working class. He was rich, but he became poor. He is our model. He gave generously. He served us to the cross. Will we, we have been known, but will we continue to be known as a joyful and generous congregation because of God's grace? It's always a question that floats in my mind. Will we continue to be known as that? We have been known, but will we continue to be known as that? And if I can, I, I want to take another pause here and a little turn here and, and share with you. Some of you don't know this, but we have a tremendous special needs ministry that takes place right below us um, this morning in our services and in a couple other classrooms and other places in our building. And we've, we've had a special needs ministry here for quite some time, far before, even before I came. And, and that has continued to grow. In fact, um, there are people that move, have moved to this community um, in, when I say community, Davidson County, Forsyth County, in the past two years. And they have literally done searches on the internet, right, for Churches with special needs in Davidson County, and one of those that comes up is Rich Fork. In fact, if you go down and you read those great, fun things called Google reviews, which can really mess up your mind, right, and really tell you things that you don't even know and want to know, but down on the bottom of, of one of those, somebody who had visited and, and, and put, you know, thanks for the worship and the preaching and the this and the that, and then it says, they even have special needs classrooms. Now, if you don't need a special needs classroom, you don't, may not know that we have this ministry. Um, and on February 10th, we're hosting a huge night called Night to Shine. A lot of you have volunteered for that, and we're trying to connect all those dots and, and families. But we, we want to do that ministry and continue to do that ministry weekly. And in fact, if God leads us to do that more than even just weekly, what does that look like for us as a church? Uh, and so a couple months ago, our, our elders um, decided to create kind of a, a special needs ministry team to look at. And so um, one of our elders, a couple of our staff members, a couple special needs volunteers and special needs parents um, got together, started meeting, started evaluating space. And we've knocked a few walls out downstairs and done a few other things to, to accommodate more and more um, special needs families. But one of the things that we recognized um, that was in great, great, great um, broken a state of despair uh, was especially one side of our playground downstairs uh, and parts of it aren't even usable. Um, the drainage issue, again, that's kind of getting technical with you, but um, when it rains, it pours and it stays there, right? Um, not exactly uh, uh, special needs accessible. Um, and so they began asking for bids and getting pictures and all these type of things. And on Friday, um, we, we got some renderings of what that area could look like. And I'm going to go ahead and share them with you, okay? Um, so this is a special needs playground. Um, so so it's accessible for, for kids, special needs, um, or not, um, and uh, has several things there, has a wheelchair ramp that goes up, um, has an opportunity for, I, I love this mom down here in the, the bottom, like, whoo, give me 30 seconds, right? Um, and then if you back up one picture, um, there's a picture of a multi-sensory, uh, back up one more, 
Yeah, bottom left, um, multi-sensory for wheelchairs to be able to come up and press these, and it does different things on the screen and do all these types of things. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're super, super excited um, about being able to present that to you over the next um, couple of uh, weeks, couple of months, mail you kind of information, um, you know, how much it's going to cost. Um, please don't think in the tens of thousands, okay? It's more expensive than that, okay? Um, just want to go ahead and prepare you. Um, ground is expensive. Uh, drainage is expensive. All those type of things. Um, but but here's, here's what I can also share with you. We're going to give you the opportunity, if you want to give towards that, you can. But here's the craziness. Because of margin that you've created the last five years, we can pay for it. Amen? Like, I don't know if you realize, again, if you're new with us this morning, that's crazy. That, that's not normal, all right? That is not normal um, to be able to say, yeah, let, let's write a six-figure check, all right, for playground, for special needs, for people in our community, a large group of people in our community who on Sunday mornings have literally said to us, we can't come to church because we don't have a place to fit in. So if we can fix that, if we can pour into that, then by the grace of God, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Why? To shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. Now I know you're thinking, my kids play on the other side. We know there's work to be done there as well, right? Baby steps, okay? But as long as we can, however we can, as long as we have margin, we will joyfully, as a congregation, see, this is where this gets bigger than just you. We can joyfully give and equip and offer tools to our community. Why? To share the grace of Jesus Christ. Because he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves, please read this last line for me, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. I'm just going to be really bold here. If giving makes you grumpy, don't give. Just don't. God will take care of it. God will meet the need. Just realize that out of, please don't take this out of perspective, that because they had a relationship with God first, they had a spirit of generosity. Not the other way around. The attitude does not come from waking up one morning and say, I'm just going to be joyful, I'm just going to be cheerful and giving. No, it comes when it is rooted in a relationship through the grace of God. The grace of God, as we said early on, deposits a spirit of obedient generosity into every follower of Christ. Now, you may be thinking, well, that, that kind of shows me on a church side, but personally, what does this mean for me? Now, again, I, I don't have time today to give you a, a financial plan to lay out a budget for you to um, dive into your family's finances, and I, I would never do that. So how do we do this on a, a few how do we begin to have this conversation? First, if you want to begin to, to experience margin personally in your faith and in your finances, then begin traveling in the right direction. Let me explain that. Um, if you want to go 
Uh, my family took a, a random trip to Washington, D.C. Um, part of this week, um, and we drove in that horrific rain on the way back. Um, bad choice, all right? But if you want to go to Washington, D.C., what direction do you go on 95? North. If you want to go to Florida, what direction do you go on 95? If you go north on 95, you will never get to Florida. It does not connect, okay? If you want to live with financial margin, it will not come if you continue to do the same things that have put you into debt and into despair. So the first step is realizing, hey, I need to start traveling a different direction. I need to realize there's a different direction for me to take. And what are some of the ways for me to do that? First, move towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, we're going to keep coming back to that. If you want to talk about margin financially, then, then let's start with our relationship with Christ. Because when we function towards financial margin, if we are driven by the grace of God, then we're driven by different reasons. Not only financial freedom, but we're given financial freedom. Why? So that we can be a part of greater things. And that drives us in a different way. Allow God's word to shape your view of his resources. Don't simply take my word for it. God desires to bring joy in your life through giving, through stewardship, through grace. And so if you want to grow in your margin and in your relationship with Christ, then begin to examine God's word. To guide you in this, again, can't give this all to you on a Sunday morning, but to guide you this and maybe something for you to work on on your own, if you're, if you're married, to work on with your spouse, with your kids, um, we want to provide you with something not in the lobby today, um, but we want to mail you something. Um, it's called The Treasure Principle uh, by Randy Alcorn. It's just a little six-week personal study about stewardship and about giving um, and about your relationship to the Lord um, and what that means. So if you would like a copy of this, uh, we're going to mail you one, all right? And, or you can come by and pick one up, but we're going to mail you one. And at the end of the service, there'll be a big QR code. Um, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. It'll be on the website. It'll be on social media tomorrow. Or you can call the office and say, hey, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to dig a little bit more than, than this quick hit on a Sunday morning um, as a church. And so we want to provide you um, with that resource as we go on um, in the weeks ahead. The last thing, decide, or the second to the last thing, decide to create financial margin for the purpose of giving with joy. Again, let me come back around. This is not giving to rich fork. That may be a part of it. This may be giving to someone in your family, to someone in need, to opportunities, to missionaries, to someone outside this realm of people that we know that we're a part of. But it's a radical different view. And it's built on a relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, the final reminder is this. We must examine our view of creating financial margin in light of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Start there. Start there. Do I have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? And you could, you could put something else. You could put several things there. But we must examine our view of creating time with others in light of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We, can, we must examine our view of creating opportunities to serve others in light of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We may, must examine our view of how we walk into retirement in light of our relationship to Jesus Christ. Whatever it is. Stop and say, where am I in my relationship to Jesus Christ?
then, out of that relationship, you examine your finances, your resources, your time, your talent, your resources, your relationships to other people. Out of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. 